Welcome to Beyond the Pixel, Episode 3. They say third time's a charm, but you know when we're involved, we always bring the charm. Always bring the charm. I'm Luis Fernando Sandrin, technical designer, and joining me is digital ah, digital artist digital. Ken Ha. One digital of these days, artist. one of these days, I'll nail this <laughs> intro. <laughs> well, we we have plenty of more chances. To get yeah. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, I've it's going good. I've gone past my recovery period. I am. I have processed <laughs> my emotions. I am ready, Ken, to talk about the Last the, of Us. Uh, five stages of grief. Yeah, the five stages of the Last of Us. <laughs> there's the first stage of us, and then the second stage of us, and then there's the last stage of us. So I have a little secret. Uh, so I actually told you this before, but or earlier just now. I got spoiled for The Last of Us 2. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the some major spoilers of stuff that happened early on and then stuff that happened afterwards. So I just went on and binged a bunch of videos on The Last of Us 1. So I got caught, all caught up. So I can at least... I can at least relate to you on the Last of Us 1 story summary. And okay. then I'll be interested to hear what you think of how they took this next chapter. All right. Well, let's just get so right you... into it then. I, I, I the way I want to separate this is Okay, let's get let's let's get the big thing off the chest first. I love this game. I love mm -hmm. this game a lot. Uh to me it is one of the best games I have played this whole generation. Wow. I would put it up there with with Sekiro, Nier Automata. Those the games that, that I've held dearly in my heart of hearts that <laughs> hit me in ways beyond how a simple game can hit me. Yeah. Yeah. And in all the ways video games can hit you. I adore this game. Let me spend the next hour and a half explaining okay. to you why. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how would you react to some of those people online right now who are kind of naysayers to... I do want to talk about that because I think there's an interesting phenomena happening there. Yeah. And I want to take some time and discuss that in the end once we've gone through the game because... Okay. There is something happening there that I think it's important to talk about. You want to do gameplay first? And I want to do gameplay like, first because, first? you know, okay. I'm, I'm a designer. I like talking about yeah. how games play. So, Game designer. A bit over an overview. The Last of Us is a... This is the second game in a game that's based... Is, is strongly story-based. And its gameplay is composed mostly of stealth action gameplay as you fight both these infected humans um, that have basically turned the world into a post-apocalypse. And said about 20, 25 years after the events. So people are, are not very good people. It turns out the last of us are not the best of us. They, they do what they need to to survive. Nicely done. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, so the second game picks up after, after the uh, events of the first game pretty immediately. Um, it's where... going to be a non-spoiler review, right? We're yes. We're doing a totally yes. non-spoiler review. Totally non-spoiler. I'm not going to discuss anything in the story. The basic premise is that uh, Ellie, a girl that was rescued by the main character of the first game, Joel, um, has a very tragic event happen to her at the beginning of this mm -hmm. game, and she goes on a revenge mission against the people that wronged her. That's basic all, premise. That's yeah, all basic I'm gonna premise, I'm gonna yeah. talk about. Uh, and that's what was kind of hinted at at the trailer that they revealed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna show any footage as well if if anyone's worried. Like this is all these screenshots. These are the only screenshots that we're gonna we're gonna show. 
Uh, yeah, they're we're all using that it's only been out for less than two weeks, less than one week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about uh, certain encounters. I'm gonna talk yeah. about certain enemies that you're gonna fight. Uh, anything yeah. that's not shown in promotional materials, I'll give you a heads up before before I discuss that. Okay. So let's talk about the you gameplay. Play the, you play through the entire thing. Yes. Yes. For... I, I I beat the entire <laughs> thing. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't spoiled by anything. I played it through. Yeah. I. Did you beat it really quickly so that yes. you wouldn't get spoiled? Yes. Okay, yeah. Because I needed to okay, know. I totally understand. I needed yeah. to know because there was such a, like a pushback against it that I needed to know why people were complaining about and and I I know I know why they were. And so wait, wait before you you get started though, I remember before we were talking about it, you had read a possible spoiler. Was that spoiler the truth? Like, did you, was that, was I that actually a spoiler? I didn't read the spoiler. I read the reviews and I intuited sort of a gameplay thing that happens in the game. Right. That would happen around the halfway point, And I was right about that. Uh, mm, okay. But it still surprised me at how effective it was. Okay. Interesting. Uh, okay. But I'm not going to. Oh, we'll get, we'll get, go ahead. Go, we'll get into the game. I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a spoiler version podcast with uh <laughs> with with my destiny clan on on thursday so okay. i can go more in depth and like those things i like but overall broad strokes this game does some really cool stuff with its design that i think is is notable for the stealth action genre mm -hmm. and it does some really cool stuff with its exploration and those are the main things i want to hit so okay let's talk about the combat it's a stealth action game so you're going to be doing some sneaky crawly stuff and then some shooty bangy stuff. Uh, did, they did they improve on any of the sneaky crawly absolutely. or shooty bang? Yeah. Absolutely. So? Uh, biggest problem that I had with Last of Us 1 is that I loved the story. I did not love how that game played. I did not like how the encounters set up. It's not that it was generic. It was more that it didn't feel right. It felt a little bit clunky. It felt like I didn't have a lot of mm. options and it felt... It, it, it didn't feel like it evolved too much over time. Uh, this game... Oh, man. The thing they really nail is is expanding the areas where you encounter these enemies in, right? You, you have more avenues of approach. So you reach an area, and it's a wide-open field, and there's a few buildings beside you. Enemies can come out of buildings. They patrol the area. They may be inside houses. They may be in other backyards. They're basically everywhere. And it all flows in sort of a dynamic way. Because you reload a checkpoint, and the enemies will behave differently. So they have their own set AI oh, logic that they choose do from, they from behavior through? tree. Do they rotate through? Do they cycle through a set of like scenarios? Every time you load in the level or something, or is it just kind of based off of what you do? I don't know exactly. I know it is different. I know they don't behave always the same way. It feels they have a few options in their behavior tree of what they want to do at any given time. And I'm not sure if they start at different points on that tree when you yeah. reload, or if they just pick something different when you do. Right. It, I didn't keep restarting the events over yeah. and over. But when you do... When you do sneak around and you alert an enemy, either by shooting them or or using an object, since you can both use weapons or craft Molotovs or use traps or smoke bombs, uh, silence weapons like bows or or, 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 or or the silencers that you can craft for your for your gun, uh, all that is, is based on who's around you, who, who hears you, who sees you, 
and what have you and the encounter kicks off in that way so if i'm stealthily killing people and no one's alerted i can still keep going if someone spots a right. body they will like go see it and there's a moment before they they raise an alarm and say like oh my god they killed alan or or or, or nancy and they use real names of these they people name they all have a name they all have like names name. and they're not repeated <laughs> <laughs> so they really want to make you feel bad about about uh yeah. about killing people that's a, that's a big dude. theme <laughs> that's a big theme with this game is that they want you to to feel guilty about about, mm -hmm. about killing people and their dogs right. Their dogs also have names. And they, I heard about this. And they I will, heard about they this. Will, they'll come by and uh, mourn their dog. If you kill their owner, the dog will, like, stay there and, like, nudge oh the ragdoll with their oh, nose. No. And, and, like, cry. How did that affect you? Did you avoid killing dogs? No. <laughs> I, I heard, so my friend told me that he preferred using some sort of landmine that you could craft. Because mm -hmm. you could, like put it over there the dogs will, will sniff it and then it all happens off scene like off screen dogs die you know he you don't blow, he's blowing the up the dog though <laughs> no i just and he just moves on to the rest of the story no i my strategy is that because see here's the strategy in it and it like it's a morbid strategy because you think like well do i do i take out the dog first because the dog can like follow my scent and then, oh, but wow. then its owner will like realize that something is wrong and say, no, because the dog can't call for help. So oh, I shoot right. the owner and I shoot the dog while it's whining. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> it's, so it's, dark. It's, 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 it's dark. It's dark. It's dark. I don't like who you've become after you played this game. <laughs> it's not good. Okay, this game, mm, it's not it good. exactly what it wanted. <laughs> it's not good. Um, but it's also really, really good. Yo, but I bet you that dog has some sick loot, right? The dog has got some nope. good loot. No since loot? when? Since when did I like a game That's with loot? Potions or something. <laughs> Dogs actually don't drop anything. People drop things. People got good loot. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, once you so you have those sort of logic problems that you try to figure out is like, who do I kill first? Can I kill them safely without someone seeing me? Inevitably, you're gonna spot someone. You're, you're always gonna spot someone. This is where the game does something that few stealth games do, is you get spotted. People will get alerted, they come and investigate the area, but because the area is so large and you have so much maneuverability, you don't charge into them and stab them, you run away. Oh, so you, you can don't. run away, you like <laughs> go through like these little shimmy quarters, they're like very thin, and like she does right. like this like whoa and like sneaks sneaks in. You go around around the corner and they lose you like fast. They lose you like pretty quick. But here's quick. the question though. Do they do they remember that someone was here yes is, they, is their alertness level slightly higher you know they're all like no, no, once they're on alert where... they are alerted and they will not I give see, up okay. looking for you and they will call people over right <laughs> right right they, they will like investigate you or they'll they'll like go call That's someone or or, or or do something like that and then they'll all start patrolling start investigating errors some of them will like group up you see them split off into teams of two and they'll go off because it's a wide area so they'll go off and investigate areas in teams of two and inevitably they'll split off and you're like here's my the chance AI. i'm going to take out this guy and you get back into the stealth gameplay of it right because you're super fragile and you don't have a lot yeah. of resources so so sometimes you might take out a guy and you're like oh crap i'm out of molotovs i'm gonna go and craft another one then use a molotov Ooh, to take that. out a team of two and like because they're on fire they start yelling right and then the other people yeah. are going to be drawn over to them but if you set up a landmine right beforehand they'll walk oh, into that landmine 
Ooh, damn. <laughs> but so there's a logic puzzle that you can kind of figure out here, and yeah. that's all because yep. it is so dynamic. It is not like I love Metal Gear Solid, right? But that game has mm-hmm. a very punitive awareness system. That game is also silly as heck. Yes. <laughs> when you alert someone, they go through their three three phases, right? And it's pretty clear on the board. Yeah. And it's like they're in evasion phase, they're in alert phase. Yeah. The timer yeah. takes down, and they go to evasion phase. The timer takes down, they go yeah. into caution. And for that entire time, you're like locked yourself in the locker, and you're sitting there. <laughs> Hoping that no one comes by and knocks on you. That's not this game. You you become an active participant in like the stealth, because you're not just like, well, I gotta hide. Because the most effective thing for me to do right now is to hide until everyone's on alert. They're never gonna get alert, but they're gonna lose sight of you. They're gonna investigate where you were last were. So if you go and set up like a trap for them, and you go and hide near the trap, they'll follow you in there, not be able to find you. One of them will get blown up by the trap, which alerts more people Ooh. to come in. And because they don't know where you are, you can flank around them and like shoot at them. It reminds me a lot of Splinter Cell Conviction, in in that okay. way. Yeah. That was a game yeah. that used like the last known position very well because you can mark people, mm-hmm. and then shoot them. And then if you're using guns, they'll they'll go and investigate. If they spot you, they go to the last known location. But you need to melee them in order to get your 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 auto kill thing back. That game. I love the uh, uh, kill puzzle type of game. Yeah. It is definitely a kill puzzle type of game. It's like a resource resource murder management simulator. Every time I play one of these games, I get into like mad hoarder mode. Though. Yeah. Like in RE4, by the end of the by the end of uh, the game when I was fighting the last boss, my inventory was full of like rockets and grenades and stuff and all ammunition. Just because I would just try to kill, I would reload and just try to finish the current level with as minimal resources as possible and you feel so proud of yourself yeah so there's definitely that element of like hoarding stuff and not using your your equipment in this game yeah and it's one of the things i wish they improved upon because they've shown me that it is possible for them to manage this uh is that there are certain enemy types not just because you fight infected as well as humans right they added an infected enemy type that i think specifically counters hoarders because it's this enemy, no. it's it's this enemy that you can't get close to, so you can't melee them, right? Right. And you can't shoot them in the head, and and be done with them, and use silenced weapons because they don't, they don't die with one shot. Right. But they're relatively weak against your equipment, like your your Molotovs, your bombs, everything else. <laughs> It's, and and you're like your shotgun and your and your rifle like the so heavy like hitter their weapons. Ammunition soaks. They exactly. Like soak up all your ammunition. Exactly. But they 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 manage to make it so that it doesn't feel like it's soaking it up. They still die yeah, pretty quickly yeah. if you use that stuff. Right, so you're encouraged right. when you see them to use it. But then they do smart things like with the composition of the enemies. Like they put a few runners uh, out there. Like the infected <laughs> that just they see you and you can and they run at you and they attack you. Mm-hmm. So you might want to stealth around and kill all those runners first before you engage the big, these guys, they're called shamblers, um, with your guns because you can't melee them, but you can melee and uh, shoot the uh, the runners in the head. Or, or, since you have to use your equipment anyway, you throw a Molotov at at the shambler. He's He's on fire, and that also calls the runners over to him. Then you throw another Molotov and you burn all them together, <laughs> right? Um, how how many new enemies were there? Were there a lot of new enemies, or is it just kind of a remix of the current, the old enemies and different types of? 
that, ensembles. That's the, that's the thing with this game is that there's not a lot of variety in the human enemies. You have right. you have melee human enemies. You have uh, small arms enemies. You have long range sniper enemies, uh, shotgun enemies that rush you more frequently. And they do a lot with that sort of composition. The main problem with the human enemies is that you can just shoot them in the head and they die. So okay. it's it's pretty so easy simple. to take them out. Yeah, it it, yeah. it becomes more of a, a position puzzle, right? More than like how do right. I take this enemy down? It almost right. doesn't matter what the enemy is at that point, other than like, oh well. And you can't even tell like really what an enemy type is just by looking at them. At least I couldn't. Right. Among the human enemy. Hmm. Among the human characters, you mean? Yeah. If maybe? you're paying attention, you can see, like, oh, this guy's got a, a, a weapon, this guy's got a, a rifle, this guy's got a shotgun, but the rifles and shotguns yeah. look pretty similar at a distance. It almost didn't matter to me when I was playing it. It mattered more, like, yeah. where people were more so than who they were, except right. in one scene, which, like, absolutely screwed me over, where there's just a sniper at this overlook, and you and there's no cover between you and him, <laughs> and there's a bunch of enemies in front of you, all with shotguns. That was a really hard encounter. How is the crafting? You mentioned a bit of crafting for like traps and puzzles. Yeah. Is it a pretty in-depth system? What's involved? Is it just like finding ingredients? And... There's four ingredients and you use different varieties of them to craft different things. It's pretty streamlined. Only four, it's ingredients? Pretty, only four ingredients. You have what are the sharp stuff, bottle stuff, rags, and alcohol. Oh, and explosives five. I guess that kind of makes sense. I yeah, that makes sense. And like, I'm glad they keep it down to a minimum because sometimes the the crafting can get a bit distracting in these kind of games. Yep. And you I know, know, for me, like when I play games like Fallout, the crafting, while I enjoy it, it it feels like it really takes me out of the gameplay and action because you're in the middle of this firefight, but you remember you have to go search the toilets because there might be some duct tape that you need to build again yeah. later on. Right. It's. It's really smart in, and again, adding to the dynamic portion of the combat, it's all about what you have available at your disposal at this moment, right? So as you're running right. away from stuff, you'll see like stuff hanging out in the environment, and you can just press triangle and quickly pick it up. If you want to make a Molotov, you don't have to go into your menu to do it. You can just select where your Molotov is, and you right. can press the, the cross button, and that will immediately take you to a menu to the menu, to the crafting menu, and all I have to do is hold down cross again to build it. It's super easy, so they, like, super kind of quick. Emphasize the real time UI, so that you, you don't have to take yourself out of it as much. Yeah, and it works, and it works extremely well. And I think this game, because I spent some time thinking about it, because I really didn't like the first game, and I think what really makes this game work is the fact that you have all this space to navigate in, you have the space to scavenge, to approach from different angles. And to get away from stuff and to flank around and just constantly right. be thinking, what is the best thing I can do at this moment? It is quintessential game design. And they improved upon it in every single way between these two games. And it became one of my most pleasant. Pleasant is a really weird word to use for this. Same as enjoyable. But it became a, a really satisfying stealth game for you to to, to yeah. get right, to get through stuff. What, what would you have rated the previous one out of 10 and then what would you rate of this one in terms of the combat or gameplay. overall just the gameplay i would definitely like skew skew the last game was like it was playable but i didn't enjoy playing it so much i would definitely skew it to like a three out of five wow yeah so six out of ten i don't do ten scales right. I don't like 10 scales. 
because what's the difference between okay. a seven and an eight? Like, it's nonsense. And you're never going to use okay. the lower end. <laughs> okay. Didn't realize you had this. No. Uh, <laughs> three scale out, issue. Three out of five. Three out of five. Okay. What would you, five so out of what five? What do you? And you rate this game perfect. No, I rated a five out of five. It is some of the oh, sorry, best. I meant the game. The gameplay is is. Is a five is out of five for me. Opinion. Yeah, it is. It is. It is one of the. It is the best example that I can think of on this generation of stealth combat done correctly. Nice. And nice. that's very impressive. Please, by all means, send me a message if you think some something did it better, because I'll be more than happy to play it. Because I really, really did enjoy this, and I would happily play more stuff. I just haven't found a lot of very good stealth games this generation. I'm trying to think really right. hard what was a stealth game that I played sticks, I guess, but the one where you play okay. as the goblin and you stab people? Huh. I think I missed oh. that one. Also, <laughs> Plague Tale, I guess. Plague Tale Innocence. Okay. Which yeah, uh, yeah. I liked less than most people, but it's, it's okay. But again, once you get spotted in that game, you're done. You know? I feel like it's a trip it to the game to over really screen. Hard hmm? To build strong AI that is actually in depth for a stealth game. Absolutely. When I think about like the behind the scenes, what you have to plan and build in terms of logic and even just having your your AI react to the different environments that you set up, um, it seems like it's really tricky. It, so it, it seems, seems like expensive. Maybe found the really entire expensive. time I, I spent yeah. playing this game, I could not stop. Like, wow. This looks yeah. very expensive. Yeah, actually, that was, that leads probably maybe, maybe to the next part of your review, I'm not sure, but the visuals were amazing. Um, you know, probably the best-looking game on the console right now. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So what, 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 what are the other aspects of the game that you wanted to review besides gameplay? The exploration part of it, which <clears throat> is where I sort of have a little bit of a problem with it, but I also think it nails certain aspects. Uh, exploration yeah because that's that's literally probably the big three pillars of this game it's it's the combat it's the exploration and it's the story okay so what what would you be um like what what are your the attributes of expert exploration that you're rating this game on in terms of you know uh the meaningfulness variety and uh clarity and communication on the design side on the design side yeah and what you want the character to be doing it's more like how well does this environment and the and the level design communicate to me what is optional what what will give me the benefit in exploring and what will i get out of it that's pretty subtle stuff that seems like it's like it's hard it's 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 the, the sign of good design but you it's you don't always notice it it's hard to do it unless you in in a subtle way, unless you're Ubisoft and you use icons for everything, and then it's very <laughs> clear what color. what is, what is worth your while and what is not. Yeah. Uh, this game doesn't doesn't do that very often. It has one. This isn't really a spoiler. They they did they already talked about it, but um, there's the there's the one big area early on, uh, in downtown Seattle, which has a map, and you're exploring right. that, and it's pretty wide and open. It's the largest area they developed. Uh, that's yeah. the only one of those in the game, uh, which oh, is interesting. I thought there would be more. 
Uh, I'm not mad that it's the only one because I also don't really like that sort of design in these kinds of games. It's a big open area and there's a lot for you to explore and there's sort of a non-linear path for you to right. progress the story. They give you like, okay, there's these three main areas that we have to check out. Let's right. go check them out. And then there's side areas that you can go into. Right. Uh, all those side areas are really interesting. They all they all have little interesting stories to play in. One of them has one of them is if you miss if you miss it, you miss one of the best parts <laughs> one of the best if parts it? of this game. Yeah, cuz it's missable, right? And there's right. a there's a very cool sequence uh right. that has an awesome pop culture reference in it. Um <laughs> that that really warmed my heart and it was a really lovely scene. Uh and it's so, totally missable. So, uh do they like gate the locations by like equipment or is it kind of the breath of the wild strategy where you can they just drop you somewhere and you can go anywhere you would want to go that seems to be mostly the case there was one area where i had to have a key from another place yeah. to actually go into it yeah. and that was that was a side area that was the side area that i was saying like that had the really cool yeah. thing in it i'm not sure so how we talked the about other ones last are. time that if they do this kind of like open area and then cinching it down to like a specific story point is that what they did all the stories that within that kind of open area was free-flowing and could happen anywhere and then once you hit a, a kind of story checkpoint you go back to the main story is that how they kind of, they they set it up yes and no it's definitely it's definitely remember that shape that i was talking about like this yeah, and then you can path. just go straight through from one side to the other one and then yeah. be done with it. Yeah. Uh, but there is more stuff to explore around that area. It's it's like that, but it's also the right. only area that does that. And you'll like, be exploring oh, okay. around the open area and then you'll find a document and say like, oh, they say there was uh, some useful loot in this bank. Let's go investigate this bank. And then they'll mark it on your map. And there's about right. six of those major locations. And a few minor stuff scattered around and then in between. After that, it, so after that, it goes into like a, a more linear type of story path. Then yes. Um, okay. Did you like? Did you did you like that? You, you so you say you like the linear side a little bit more though. I like the linear side, and I like how they did the linear linear side of of the stuff more. Like the open area felt very. I don't want to say it felt fake, but it felt the fact that it was the only area, and it lasted me maybe about an hour and a half to do everything. It felt a little unnecessary. It, it was more out of place, maybe. Yeah, it, it seemed like it took a lot of time just to like balance all those all, all those variables that you oh. could go in different orders, right? It this didn't is feel my, like it was it was my worthwhile. Theory when you hear about something like that, mm. when you said when you told me that, I keep thinking if if in terms of game development, that first area maybe was the scope of something that they wanted to keep going with, mm. but as deadlines started looming i wonder if they started to narrow down and at some point they made a cut and they said here we'll just leave the open area stuff for at least one section because we can finish that off and then from the rest of it we'll just take care of the important stuff which is like the story and everything else it definitely feels that way because there are other parts of the game that open yeah. out in a way that you feel could also have used a map but they mm -hmm. don't they don't do that yeah. and i think it's better for it because it still has I, side I areas. I really agree with that. Yeah. It, it still I don't has... necessarily say that's a bad thing. Yeah. To like to decide to cut certain things because you you have to make those trade offs in game development. Because there's still side areas there that I think are very worthwhile and they have interesting yeah. puzzles to to get into them, and then you're rewarded. And this is the part where where where, where the rewards are meaningful, because this game does something very very smart. 
Uh, there are major upgrades, and they highlight them in yellow when you pick them up. And it's stuff major, like... Major, like, weapon upgrades or something like that? No. Uh, actual weapons. Oh, okay. Like, like all the new weapons that you get... Um, oh, so, you, are, are... so there's no chance of you missing something that's really fun. No, there is. But here's... Because oh. they're inside areas, right? So stuff like a second oh, holster... For, to have to have two long guns or two small guns equipped at the same time, Ooh, they are inside areas, so you could miss those. But there are more than one of them in different side areas, and as soon as you collect okay. one, it removes them from the other areas. Does it replace them with something else, or does it just no? Because the there's also other loot there, like uh, like medicine, mm. like supplements, right. which you used to upgrade your character, tools, which you used to oh, upgrade smart, yeah. your uh, your 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 weapons. Uh, as well as so documents. Like a pool. Sorry? So there's like a pool of upgrades they want you to get. And as you get one, they reduce that pool so that you always have... To, you're always rewarded for an effort, even if you already have this upgrade, right? That's pretty smart. That's uh, pretty smart actually. Yes, but not in the way you're thinking. Imagine, right. imagine if there are four locations where I can get the long holster. I yeah. skip over it on the first one, but I find it on the second. They will remove yeah. it from the second ones. They won't replace it with anything. But they remove oh, those okay. second ones. But oh, those okay. areas still have the other normal rewards, right? There's tiers of rewards. There's these major rewards. Sorry. There's these major rewards. Then there's the minor rewards, oh, okay. which is right. which is tools and supplements. And then there's story rewards, which is like notes and like additional backstory and stuff. Also, some of those areas just have additional dialogue that you can listen to and they can comment on the world and stuff. And they are still cool areas to navigate. Cool. So that's what I really liked. What I didn't like, because obviously I can never be happy with everything. <laughs> Nothing's perfect in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they use the, this door is locked. I guess I'm going to have to go another way around uh, trope. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Uh, that's, that's a little... It's fine, because here's the thing. The locked door is a good way to tell your players that there is more to this area. You approach a locked door and it's very clearly lit, and you and you jiggle it, and you know there's another way around. There is no locked door in this game that I can think of at the top of my head that is not there because there's something behind it. So you know when? Sorry, let me explain that better. There's no locked okay. door that doesn't have yeah. something rewarding behind it. Okay, so when you see a locked door, you know you really want to get in. Yes, because she will okay. do an animation. She'll jiggle it and say, "Guess I'm not going yeah. in this way." Yeah. And you know there's stuff behind it. <laughs> She'll never jiggle a door if there's nothing did, behind did, it. Did they gate a lot of story behind that kind of mechanic? No. They gate it's, a lot of story it around like it's okay to do that. It feels like it's okay to do that because it's a very obvious game trope. And like you said, everyone knows what to expect when you see a locked door. But you can jiggle it, but you can't open it. Yeah. Like, everyone knows what to expect. So I don't mind them using that. But I would be annoyed if I kept running into storyline plot that revolves around this silly locked door idea yeah there there um, there, there are there are plots uh that involve uh locked or blocked passages but it's usually because you have to solve a puzzle to get through them which are really right. cool it's stuff like oh i can't open this door but oh uh there's this rope here i'm gonna throw it through the skylight and i'll walk on the other side of the building and i'll climb on top of the building like that's right, right. that's more how they block stuff off in the story yeah yeah um but these side areas are more distinctly like this is a locked door I can get around it by like going around smashing a window or finding another way around. Yeah. The thing is though, they do make more interesting ways to get in. 
So this is the where I can forgive them for it. There are some puzzles. There is there is this one very early on that is where you pick up the proximity mine. And right. in order to get into it, it's on the second floor of this balcony, and you see like the light hits it, and there's like things flapping <laughs> in the breeze. Like it's very clear, I'm like there's the stuff Indiana here. Jones <laughs> scene where he's like shining the light onto the amulet. And... Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Basically, and you're like, yeah, I want to get in there. And then you gotta yeah. go, and there's a dumpster on a curve, so you kind of gotta drag it off the curve, and you put it in there, and then you climb up onto the balcony and get it. Like it's not a locked door, and there's right. something really rewarding inside of it. Um, so they do stuff like that to keep on your tool, so it's not that bad, but there's a, there's a lot of locked doors. There's a lot of locked doors. And that's fine, it's, it's video games, but it's something <laughs> that I couldn't help but notice. It's a well, very small complaint. I've found really strange in any game that has, you know, that spouts itself as story-driven, or very, very cinematically story, is if you have something that's grindy inside the game, though, it feels really out of place. Yes. And that's really that's what, what that's what the uh, that's what the open map was because the entire time mm -hmm. I was concerned like did I fill out this map completely did I do everything yeah. the only reason I knew that I had done everything was because I got the trophy for doing everything <laughs> if I hadn't if I hadn't gotten that I would have spent so long just going around that map saying like did I see everything did I did it? you kind of got you know another game that really does that to me is Assassin's Creed is. Activating all those towers takes me completely out of whatever story line that I'm doing. Yeah, so, it's yeah. it's a checklist style of, of of game development, and I and I really do applaud Ubisoft for moving away from that in uh, in well, Odyssey I, and Origins. In some ways, it's brilliant in terms if you look at it on the developer side, because they took a whole bunch of modular gameplay mechanics and they tried to multiply them together to get tons of content over the course of this massive map, because otherwise, how do you populate this? No one besides Breath of the Wild or has really done that open-world gameplay where it felt all handcrafted. Mm -hmm. um, and so and Assassin's Creed tried to do something similar. They had these massive maps, but populated with the same mechanics over and over and over again. Mm. They probably felt that they had to do that. Maybe they had grander plans, and they realized that that's impossible to really do that on a, on a proper scope well they got there uh, in the end right with, with like odyssey yeah. you go to you go to those areas and the way they solved that problem is that they made every single side objective tied to a story that was mostly genuinely interesting and do you know what i think the biggest revolution that enabled that was and has nothing to do with game technology i think it's the fact that companies have really embraced outsourcing and there are specific massive outsourcing companies that can take care of large sections of your specific crafted custom game and to put content in. I mean that's how Witcher 3 got all of most of their modeling content in. I think I believe they also also crunching every every also crunching everybody and then also crunching all of their outsourcers. Um, Quick side story, Cyberpunk really 2077 it. got extended for Delayed. another another like no November. surprise. And and Listen, and I felt I'm so bad for fan. everyone. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of CD Project Red, but Cyberpunk looks a I'm a little su suspicious. Okay, I'm not saying it's going to be bad. I'm just a little suspicious. What What is that other game? I'm trying to remember right now. Star Citizen. Have you heard of this game called Star Citizen? I've it's heard been... of Star Citizen. Is it a game, though? It is uh, It is a game. I believe I'm thinking of the right game. Yeah, I believe no, you it, are. You are. I think this other game. You are. You are. Um, and uh, this, this Kickstarter that's been in the process of being Kickstarted for the last four years, and people are buying $1,000 ships for a game that doesn't exist yet. 
I'm not saying this is cyberpunk. I'm just thinking that they're promising on something that's so advanced in terms of content, like we were talking about with Assassin's Creed, that it makes it hard for me to believe that they'll be able to properly fill that content. Yeah. I'd, and the, I, I on can't the stuff say... you've, they've, you've seen, it's only, it's, it's only, it could possibly be pixie dust gameplay, if, if, you, if that makes sense. It could be slightly exaggerated gameplay, and the gameplay we've seen is not particularly unique. I'm hopeful, but that does explain a lot to me because I think that they're probably behind schedule. <laughs> Who isn't these days, though? Yeah, that's true. Uh, Anyways, we, we got a bit of a tangent. My bad. Yep, my yep. bad. I just needed to bring that up. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's the exploration part of it. Uh, also, to mention the, 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 the artificiality of the story, though, uh, this game... <laughs> Man. They... <sighs> you're getting cheered up. Almost... You're getting, you're, like, <laughs> No, no, no. It, it, it's uh, I'll, we'll get there. Um, but the they do this very, 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 very gamey thing of whenever there is like a squeeze through to get you to another section, like you know they're they're unloading mm-hmm. stuff and loading stuff in. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's because of the because they they have to like load stuff and so it has to take the squeeze through has to take longer. But every time you crawl or squeeze, something attacks you on the other end off screen. Like immediately. And then you're and then you're and then you're st- and then you're stuck in like a mash, right? You got I gotta press I gotta press square to get the zombie. Or like, oh no, he's telling me you think that they're hiding loading additional loading by having this fake attack on screen so that they can spend a little bit more time loading in the background. That's that's what I think because it happens way too often. And and it can't just be for tension pick. because that's a game, de- that's a game designer. <laughs> I think that's a game designer nitpick. You're like these guys. I know what you're doing. It's the same tricks I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very expensive tr- trick when you think about it because every single one of those scenes has to have an animation and a mm-hmm. fail sequence and a success sequence, right? But you just pile up that time. Is it faster to make these animations or is it faster to optimize our game? <laughs> Oh, this game is this game is pretty <laughs> tightly optimized. Uh, when I, I when I look at this game and I see it, huh? But it's also pushing it too. It is, and that's the thing. It, is this game runs at a thirty frames per second consistently? I didn't notice any drops whatsoever on a, my base PS4. I wasn't playing it mm-hmm. on a pro, and it still looks incredibly I'm, I'm good. I'm impressed that you can get something looking that realistic um, on a console. Yeah. The Fidelity was very, very, very impressive. Very impressive. The sweat uh, physics. <laughs> the sweat physics, the blood physics, the, the dynamic, the muscles, bl- all of it. Muscle? Oh, my God. <laughs> and you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. I won't say anything. Yeah. There's some yeah. specific muscles that are hard to, <sighs> hard to miss. <laughs> I, I want to, I wanna like, say how positive I feel about some of that stuff, but I don't want to spoil anything. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I know what you mean. But, I, know, but like, I know exactly what you mean. I want to save it for the spoiler yeah, review. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what was the third criteria? You had a, you had three criteria. It was gameplay, uh, ex- exploration, and story. Okay, so we should get to the story. We I should think, get right? to the story and just and just wrap this up. I'm not going to say do, I'm... do this without spoiling anything though. It's good. Go play it. That's <laughs> good. I I've I've heard some people complain about the story. Um, do we want? 
I don't. It's hard for me to get through any of those complaints without really leveraging it. But do you think that it is simply a matter of them misunderstanding it, or is it? Is there any kind of legitimacy in those kind of claims? I'm gonna I'm gonna explain to you my experiences in talking to certain people about this game, right. and then <laughs> you tell me what you think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I really enjoy the story. I think it it's around. I think it's amazingly paced. I think it works incredibly well in everything that it goes for. I was surprised by it a lot mm -hmm. about what it made me feel, how it made me relate to those characters, and how they characterized certain characters at the beginning, and how they characterized them at the end, how they drew. I'm talking around so many things here. But, I know, I know. But, you, we can, you, but I'm good. gonna, I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna save that for the spoiler cast. It does, it does a lot. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And when I talk to people about this game, I finished it. I finished very quickly. So, so people that I was talking to then came to me afterwards. Everyone that I talked to, a total of seven people, who have finished this game, are with me in saying this is incredible. This is mm -hmm. so well put together. This is this is everything I just talked about in terms of the story. And, like, yes, that is me being in my own echo chamber. These are seven people that, like, I talked to. There was, there was two yeah. of them that were from the Giant Bomb forum, that I, the Giant Bomb Discord that I, that I was in. Right. And they, right. I never met them before, but they also felt very positive about it. Right. Everyone that I have talked to personally, not just seen on the internet, talked to personally, that have voiced extreme criticism about this game have not played the game. That's they strange. have only seen <laughs> leaks, they have only read the story, or they have watched through the whole game, they say, on YouTube. Hmm. They did not hmm. like the game. Suspect. And this is, this is, something, this is something that I, that I think is important to talk about. Yeah. And it's something that, that I, I think is, is really important to me, is that watching a game is not the same as playing a game. Okay. And there are mean? certain exceptions exceptions to this, for sure. But I think in a game like The Last of Us, which is so much about embodying these characters, going on a journey with them, struggling through this challenging and difficult gameplay, experiencing that tension, those feelings, and those sentiments, you're literally walking a mile in someone else's shoes. And you're spending 26 hours doing this with these characters. That is not the same as you passively sitting on your chair and watching something. The experience is different. The experience is different. Same way, right. you, you always talk about this when you're when when I when I did film study. They explained there's a difference between passively watching something and actively watching something. The same way as playing a game mm -hmm. is not so much about pushing buttons and making stuff happen on screen. Same mm -hmm. as like watching a movie is is just sitting in your chair. There's a relationship you're having between the characters, the developer, and yourself while you're playing it. You feel tense when you're being chased by these enemies. You feel shock when something happens to a character that your character is really attached to. And the thing that I always draw back when I, when I start talking about this is when you hear someone talk about a video game. I'm not going to tell you... Oh, last night I was playing Last of Us and Ellie snuck around these bad guys and threw a Molotov and used a, a proximity mine to blow up a dog. That's not how people talk about video games. I snuck around those guys. 
I threw a Molotov. I blew up the right. dog with the bomb. <laughs> oh. Right? There is... There, you become complicit in what's happening on, right. the, on the screen. You miss that yeah, sort of psychological effect by watching right. something. You, you have an extra degree of distance from mm. what is occurring on screen, what is happening to the characters. And that is something that is so important to me in the medium of video games and what they can do that movies cannot. Right. I, I, I see what you're saying. So you're, it's kind of like if you just played the last boss of a, of a game, it's not the same feeling as when you beat that boss after beating the, the rest of the game. Yeah. The time that you spent in it is a part of the experience that... Uh, having so much it's, fun it's, and... it's yeah it's the bonding spirits yeah. of it it's because you're not going to tell me that you're watching watching 11 hours of a 26 hour game and you are engaged for all those 11 hours you right, literally yeah. cannot be engaged with this game if you're playing it because being engaged oh, is I... a requirement to seeing it advance <laughs> so i i agree with you when you say that if you watch the game, you're not going to have the same kind of experience. But I wonder if all the people who have those bad critiques about the game are people who've just, you know, watched it only. I, I and not to say that I would I think love that I would love to have a conversation with someone that played yeah. this game from end to end and hated it. I would love well, sure to have that conversation. Sure you will. I would love to or have a conversation. <laughs> I have but not I, met anyone I, 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 that did, that did that yet. Well, I mean, I, it could be that there it's a it's a bit of a conspiracy in terms of who is around your specific circles that would or would not like. Yeah, it. I'm, I do I'm very aware of that, that too, any, right? Well, I I think that any popular media, especially things that have a lot of hype behind it, they tend to spike a lot of emotions, um, one way or the other. And when you first told me about the Last of Us two. Uh, your take on it and then i started seeing some of those bad comments um and you know whether regardless of whether those comments are valid or not i think just like when star wars came out just like when any marvel movie comes out with super high expectations uh people need to people have the bar set in certain ways not even just a, a straight up is this movie better or worse than the last one um but they have certain expectations as to the what the movie or game will be, and also what expectations as to what kind of experience they'll have. And I find that there's a lot of people who aren't quite correctly assessing whether they think the game or movie is good or bad, but I think that they are more talking about how off the mark it is than what they expect. And they might not even know it. Yeah. And I saw this a lot with especially star wars the latest set of movies or any actually any of the new movies because there was also the the previous uh the prequels and then their original series that's two different sets of fan bases that have two vastly different experiences and ex expectations as to what a good star wars movie is going to be and regardless of whether you think those movies are good or bad talking about them was so toxic it was it was so painfully annoying for me to talk to anyone because because it was either an echo chamber or a giant fight as to who's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and when I see a, a huge game come out, especially a, a game that maybe, even if it doesn't, even if it is critically good, 
it might be dividing and then that'll be enough for people to uh, to have really really extreme viewpoints of the game one one way or the other mm. what i always look for is actually is actually the more who has the least extremist point of view when i look at the reviews because mm. it's hard for me to it just as it's hard, as it's hard for me to follow someone that particularly hates the game i'm always also very conscious and skeptical of someone who completely loves the game yeah and anyone and you know the perfect game is always thrown out like all the time it doesn't mean anything anymore <laughs> yeah but i think that's what i think there's got to be a part of that especially with the last of us and they took huge risk which you know for me after i heard that spoiler regardless of what uh the execution was in terms of whether they did it right or wrong i was impressed because it's a major it's a major gambit in terms of yeah. your character and your story yeah and a is... lot a lot of movies and a lot of franchises would not make this kind of gambit with their characters yeah. um so i was very impressed in terms of them just being able to uh take that chance yeah but it's good it, i knew it immediately it was like this is something that's going to piss people off yep even Probably. even 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 Neil Druckmann said like uh, he thinks some people will absolutely not like this game, and I think is that the voice is that the game? Who, sorry, he's I'm, the I'm game director. Oh, okay, he, yeah. he's the one that that it, you will see mostly most in interviews talking about the game right, and right. what it is. Yeah, um, and I, the part about that though is you are supposed to hate that decision they made. You are supposed mm -hmm. to feel mm -hmm. that in yourself. Mm -hmm. And while you're playing the game, you're supposed to resent that mm -hmm. they had the audacity to do this to you. But history has never been able... Like, history has proven that we've never been able to separate those two. I know. But just look at Sherlock Holmes. The most famous character death that was taken back. Oh, in, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for those unfamiliar, the, he, um, the original author, which is completely... Uh, missed my head right now. Oh God! Wrote the first Sherlock. No <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wrote the first Sherlock no novel, and then wrote the second one in which Sherlock essentially dies by jumping off. These are right novels. They came ball. in. They came in like uh, in, in, the stories came in printed in, in newspapers. Yeah, sorry, you're right. They they were they were print media stories. Yeah, it stories. was like the fourteenth story was uh, yeah. it, it it ended at the Reichenbach spoilers for Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> it ends at Reichen, <laughs> on Reichen, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> uh, uh, at yeah. Reichenbach Falls where uh, yeah. he goes into a waterfall with his arch nemesis yeah. Professor Moriarty. Yeah. So they essentially kill him off and then you know, the crowd goes wild and starts harassing the author until Who just wanted to write other stories. He just wanted to write stories. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes yeah. is too popular. He just wanted to write different yeah. stories. So it makes complete sense that some people might just be pissed off with the decision and mixing their emotions in terms of what they felt with the story with the what they felt with the characters. Which I I always think about movies in terms and, and games now as well as they become more and more cinematic and more and more uh, inclined towards storytelling is that you're not looking necessarily... like Well, not... You, as our audience or anyone who's listening to this, you yourself might be looking for a specific experience with a movie, one that you had before or you've enjoyed before. But there's a lot of people who like to explore aspects that don't necessarily feel good, or it's like having bitter a bitterness taste in your in your meal. You know, some people might not like it 
but there are certain people who like to explore that complexity and depth. Yeah. And that's what good storytellers do. They have to take a chance that's and some stories are not gonna leave you feeling good. I never wanna watch Shinless List again. I'm super glad I watched it the first time, but I'm not gonna watch it again. But it's an incredible movie for what it's able the type of emotions that it's able to make you feel. Mm-hmm. And I think there, this game, it pays off all its gambles really well. And, and that's why I feel it's worthwhile. And if you think about Last of Us as, as a franchise, what, what it means to do. I remember back in 2013 when the first game came out. And the, that game, I'm going to spoil the ending of Last of Us Part 1, FYI. Uh, it ends with, yeah. with, with, with Joel deciding to forsake humanity. For, for, for the sake of Ellie. Possibly. 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 They were going to do a surgery on Ellie that might have given a vaccine to save humanity, and he decided to kill everyone instead and save her. And then it ends with him telling a lie to Ellie, and the last shot of her is, is like, you don't know if she believes or not. She just says, okay. okay. And it is... I got chills down oh, my spine just re- recreating that. Yeah. Uh, and that was extremely challenging people were confronted with this character they were playing the whole time who who never was a hero type character he was just Mm -hmm. the character you happen to play as you're playing through his story people always say like i don't like that i didn't have a choice to not save ellie and like this is not the game that i wanted to play people were upset and like the entire time is like this is not the story about you the player this is a story about joel and if you don't agree, that... re- re- and you don't agree with these decisions, why did you follow this character for the past seventeen hours? Well, I feel that's something that the game industry has struggled with in terms player of player ownership, right? Deciding, yeah, deciding: do you want to tell a story of a character, or do you want people to feel like they're the person playing? Like that speech you gave about I doing this, I doing that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. What I kind of think is the that the whole idea of having a faceless character is marketing speak i think that's kind of forced upon by an outsider's view of gaming of playing games because like you said just because you're playing ellie you know you're not a however old young little girl in the 19 apocalypse (laughs) exactly but you're still saying i because that's the part of the game that is inherent in terms of when you play games that's the role you're playing right yeah, exactly. You're, You're an role actor, playing, essentially. So whenever I he- whenever I hear people say that, or whenever I see a game that has a, a a non-talking character, I always think that the person who that made that decision was the marketing person and said that, listen, we're not going to sell as many copies if so and so kid think can't pretend that they're this person here, which in my head is completely ridiculous because how many times do you pretend to be the Power Ranger or whatever, right? You, re- um, you remember Spec Ops so, yeah. the line? Why are you here? Oh, yeah. yeah you're here exactly. because like you want to be something specific... you're not. A hero. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not a hero um, in The Last of Us. You never were. None of those characters are heroes. Yeah, you're just following along and seeing what... You're, even if it just you're makes walking you feel, in their shoes. what would you do in this decision? That person that made that comment to you that said, uh, I was upset that I couldn't make that decision... People just need to realize that that's that it, that in itself is, is is success for that game. If you if you realize that you wouldn't want to do this, that's fine. That's great. Now you know, maybe partially what 
you would want yourself to do in this kind of situation. Um, and then also know that maybe someone else wouldn't in terms of yeah. making it, the wrong decision, right? That's the thing that I feel with these games that do their story extremely well, is that even though the characters are making decisions that I strongly disagree with, that I don't think are healthy and good decisions, yeah, I would have been dead in this world a long time ago too, right? This is not... Right. This is The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, the, this, this is the part dead. of humanity that, that, that I got left behind. Um, yeah. And... I can still relate to these characters, right? I've thankfully mm. never gone to like such horrible, like apocalyptic mess that they go through. But when Joel chooses to save Ellie, I get it, right? Mm. I get it. I spent 17 hours with him. Like I, I was there in his moments when he was grieving the loss of his daughter. I was <laughs> there with him when he yeah. was like despondent and like keeping everyone at distance i was there when ellie saved his life i was there when when ellie said everyone dies except me you're all i have left i get it you know he it's it's story. wrong yeah. these this, this, this he's not a good man yeah but i yeah. get it yeah. and that's the power of yeah. the storytelling i walked 17 hours in joel's shoes I can I can see what made him tick. I saw him why he makes his decisions because the story is very powerful. That's the same in Last of Us Part Two. Ratchet up to like ten. It does it even better. I feel. So there's this one comment that I read that I I feel like it might have some weight, but I can't quite tell because I didn't play the game like the like uh, like you for for example. Yeah, you um, didn't. And it was that <laughs> when you. I was trying. Let me try to remember the exact example this person was using because it was a really good one. Um, oh, it was for BoJack Horseman. Have you ever watched this television show? Yes. Um, so it has the season endings. He was uh, the writer was talking about uh, season endings and having too many depressing season endings. Uh, not only doesn't work, it becomes less and less effective as you have more and more of them. Because people are drowned in the same emotion and they're kind of expecting it. Um, so do you feel that having such a darker tone in the second one drowns the darkness of what happened in the very beginning? Like, I believe the comment was the, the, the darkness that happens right away makes the rest of it feel not as uh, significant because it happens so swiftly right away. No, I disagree completely. Because right. the the way this game is set up, uh, it does some ingenious things with its pacing that the brightest moments of this game, stuff that is so beautiful that I that it made me cry. Not not because I was sad or anything, but because it was so wholesome and, and pure. Yeah. Those are in the middle of the game. And when you base it on the context of, of what had happened previously and you see, you sort of see what was lost. Right. It becomes that much more valuable to you. And it, and it keeps you going, right? Right. This, Interesting. As much as people say, they keep saying like this game is a misery simulator, it is it is not. There, there are some of the most poignant and beautiful and heartwarming scenes that I have seen in any video game happen in this game in this game nice. that is just drowning in 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 bad actions and just hate and mm -hmm. sorrow and 
poor decisions. And it takes things to a place where you won't finish this game and you'll feel happy. You'll feel relief. And you'll feel this sort of... You'll be like Ellie at the end of the game. And you'll be like, okay. Shook. You'll be shook. <laughs> you'll, you'll think about what you went through. You'll wonder if, if, if any of it was worth it. And you'll grasp onto something that you saw in the middle of that game and you saw at the end. And you'll say, yeah, I, I, I got something from this. The cool. people that are the most angry about the thing that happens in, in this game are the people that would benefit the most from playing through it. Because where it well, takes... Well, you have to have a conversation with someone who's played through it I and, I, and dislikes I, it I, I, I would like you because... because... say who, who this person is yet because we don't know. <laughs> I don't, it, it, it's a generic you, right? It's people that, yeah. that go and, and read plot outlines and then they start writing death threats to to I to, think to, that's to a little Neil, too right? easily dismissive of the critique. That's I would fair. say that, not saying that you're necessarily wrong or right, but... It's hard to say because it could it could be that they have something that we just don't know about, right? That that maybe is a legitimate. Yeah. Although for the people yeah. that are out there and you're when you're writing death threats and you're threatening yeah. developers on the street, stop don't that. that. Yeah, don't do that. What are That's you doing? <laughs> what are you trying to prove? Just yeah. just don't. Also, play through this game because it will it will address your issue. This game okay, is made uh, for you. <laughs> let's uh, let's have any last words about Last of Us Part Two because if you want to stay on schedule, we'll want to move yep. on to our next few topics. Uh, do you have anything else to say? I think uh, it sounds like you are a big proponent of The Last of Us Two. Yep. Were they successful? You would say it was a success for me. I would say uh, I want to just do a quick shot at the people that will always be commenting on this game saying that Naughty Dog are a bunch of social justice warriors. I just want to do one quick thing. If you have a problem in this game about the fact that Ellie calls someone a bigot because they use anti-LGBTQ slander against her, there's nothing wrong with this game, but there's something wrong here, and it has nothing to do with the game. <laughs> Gonna leave I, uh, with that. I, I, I hadn't seen that article, but that sounds a little ridiculous. <laughs> I that is it's also yeah. it's also really good good scene. <laughs> it's like a guy just just apologizes to her. It, it picks up saying like I'm sorry about what I told you the other day. I made you some sandwiches. Like I don't want your damn sandwiches. It's like here, <laughs> you can have your bigot sandwiches. <laughs> and it's great. It, it's at once both empowering, and, and and like firmly says like no, this sort of behavior is not acceptable. Yeah, and it also funny. shows how unwilling Ellie is to forgive stuff, which plays into the whole premise of, of, of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, okay. guys, grow up. Grow up. Stop. Listen, I'm sure it's a, it's a small portion. Let's not focus our attention on the negative no. people. I just, gonna be it upsets me. People. It upsets me. And I, I, think, know, I, and I, think, and I think this this game has really excellent representation, and it's doing the right thing, and it handles things extremely well. And you should play it. Nice. Let's move on to your thing. Yes. Uh, my thing uh, next up, as you guys can see, is Melee. Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, we have a little combo video from various tournaments that we can put up while we talk. It's so interesting to me to talk about a 19-year-old game, because Nayla came out in 2001, that's been innovating for the last years and years and years despite the fact that it's had almost no support from Nintendo. In fact, it had anti-support 
from Nintendo for the longest time, and certain projects, which will not allow to be named anymore, <laughs> were taken oh, off. Really? <laughs> yeah, there were certain modifications made for the community to uh, to a game that uh, the community has pretty much collectively decided that might be the worst game in the Smash Brothers series, Brawl, um, and made it a very, very much more interesting, different gameplay, but um, Nintendo acts that in terms of being able to stream anything. Are you kidding so me? Now really? It's I love, that, of I love games. that version of the game. <laughs> yeah, that version is awesome. It's back, though. It's back. So it's oh, under okay. a different guys. So if anyone wants to look for it, you just Google it. Anyways, what I want to talk about today, though, is that yesterday, I had no idea either, but they dropped a massive bomb on the melee community it, it, it they talked about it they touted it as the melee revolution and i really think that they are not exaggerating they so what it is it's called um project slippy or just slippy and everyone's been talking about it as rollback melee now you might be really interested in this because the biggest thing that has changed about it is uh something that i believe a lot of fighting games will uh, be able to relate to and it's the net code someone um, this person named fizz Quit his job for six months to work on this code for the community I don't know if he had any inkling of what he'd be doing in terms of how successful it would be But he took a massive gambit for this community and uh, do massive props up props to him If you're out there donate to his page, but he reworked the network code of melee on uh, emulator to be able to have massive, massive amounts of reduction in terms of um, how much how leggy the game feels. Does it have rollback? So, yeah, it has rollback. Do you, are you familiar with rollback netcode? Yeah. And how that works? Do you want to explain yeah, so it? You, so you kind of know the, the basics is essentially instead of uh, missing inputs because the computer is waiting uh, for the lag to resolve itself, um, the clients on each side of the game continue to run on as if they put the inputs in and through some wizardry that you might know but i don't on the back end it resolves it at the point that the person presses the input so what that means is that instead of missing an input in a game that's very very input precise like smash brothers melee you might be missing a jump that will cause you to die it will instead at most cause a small like visual artifact where it then pops your character into the correct position as if you didn't miss that, or it didn't not miss, or it didn't drop that particular input, um, and then resolve it on the back end. So what that's enabled for Melee is that, I guess that bit of the backstory, back history of Melee is important to understand. Melee is played only on a GameCube and before required a CRT TV to get proper high level of uh, latency, or low levels of latency. Um, and recently, it's slowly come online t um, through emulators, and that's really revived the scene in terms of being able to play and be able to connect with your friends and grow the community. But even then, it had its huge limitations. Um, a temporary uh, midpoint was put in place by this website called Anthers Ladder, which is essentially a ladder system where you can manually connect your emulators together. It was a bit of a process. You had to do this back and forth and coding and logging in and and sharing uh, codes and challenging, etc. But this person has made all of that in the, into the back end of the emulator. So now you can just run the game. 
you can press you can uh, pick your character and go directly into internet matchmaking with this significantly less laggy netcode and so now if you look at um twitch for example the numbers of melee have just slowly grown and melee is one of those ones that has almost no one watching until tournaments and then it spikes up to like 40 to 60k right um but now suddenly people are getting back into it because it becomes so much easier to stream and to play casually you can just jump into a game right away before before it was such a bad process and i guess part of it is because you've been in fighting game communities let's be honest fighting game communities is full of a lot of testosterone and jerks and kind of Maybe people with a little too much swagger that get on your nerves. And all of that was translated through this online matchmaking system that was that was used before. I mean, I loved Anther's Ladder to be able to just connect and play with people. But there was just so much toxicity that would arise from chatting and setting up the game in general. That it made it a, such a bad experience to play. But now you jump straight into the game. You have to do none of that um, kind of setting up process. And it's really easy to jump in and out of the game. Um, but what's been really, really nice for uh, for the community is that it's enabled people to play across a way larger region of um, of space, like being able to play with Europe, for example, or being able to play with Japan, especially during COVID right now, where all the online tournaments have been a bit snuffed by this lag that they've been getting the entire time, and no one really knows how to resolve it. But then suddenly, like like a miracle out of nowhere... Uh, Fitz drops this Project Slippy down with rollback netplay, and then suddenly everyone's playing it again. I think it's gonna. It's. I'm looking at. I'm watching people stream, and they're. This is the first time that we've attracted people from the Ultimate community, who's been starving since COVID. From what I hear, I I, I don't play Ultimate myself, but the community is starving because their online does not have rollback, and the lag has been is quite terrible for their ultimate community can you confirm this do you know about this it's 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 not great it's also everyone is on wire wireless because it doesn't come with a wired adapter i had to buy my own so so me me playing with my friends is is it's fine it's fine it's it's, it's not, frustrating. Fine. You can imagine playing but, but for a playing, tournament where rankings are here online. Playing online, you know some people are using their their like mother's Wi-Fi, and it's <laughs> it's, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. So it's very fascinating to see the ultimate community start to jump in and start to learn the specific melee tech. The game is so is different enough that they're very different games. You can practically call them. Counter-Strike and Valorant, <laughs> they're similar base, but then the execution is much different in terms of what uh, it ends up on the table. So I'm very Did excited. Did they change the balance That's... at all? No, they kept the game exactly the same. This is this is another fascinating thing for me, because I followed the Melee community for a while. I dropped off after a while, and then I got back into it when I was older. Is that if the game has never been patched. There was one other version for Europe that has slightly different things so maybe that was Nintendo attending to patch something on one of the different versions before they released it mm-hmm. but ever since the game came out there's been no one available to patch it because obviously the hardware is kind of obsolete now and no one has optic readers to be able to mimic it but that has led to such an evolution in the meta if I, if you were able to chart 
let's say even just the top tier characters throughout the years it's it's jumped so many times and it's gone through so many periods where people think there's no way it's going to change because this character is so dominant and then it goes through another era where another character is extremely dominant and then it goes through another era where maybe a new player is playing the character in a completely different way that become that makes it now super super dominant but is anyone so, like sorry go ahead no no keep going yeah what were you gonna say is anyone ever pl- gonna play ganondorf though there have been tons of Ganondorf players, okay. um, and there are some legit ones. He's a bit of a hype character in terms of the uh, lower tier characters, okay. or mid tier characters. Um, it's just a matter of there are certain... Ganon, Ganon suffers from some extremely harsh matchups, which is why the top tiers are top tiers. Sometimes it's just because they're able to have really one-sided matchups against certain other characters. And then only other top tier characters can deal with this other character. Okay. Sheik is, for example... On the higher levels, a character in melee that stomps a lot of lower tier characters, like really, really badly. But against the high tier characters, it's quite an even matchup for most of her matchups. For example, mm-hmm. how many? Anyways, how, I was, do you do you feel? Yeah. That if they patched melee, right, yeah. and they yeah. and they made more characters viable, and they got rid of some of the. Mm-hmm. More exploity exploits, shall we say? Yeah. Would would that make for a better game? I actually disagree. It's hard to say without knowing exactly what kind of changes they made. But a lot of the the moves that people may at the beginning would have really pointed to as exploity and cheap have become fundamentals into the game. And at one point in the meta, they were the broken meta. But then once character, people learned how to play around it, they realized the game was advanced enough so that you could work around this meta. Um, for example, one of the most interesting dynamics is everyone talks about how Fox is the best character in Melee, and most people will undoubtedly agree with you that Fox is probably the best overall character. But there is a very interesting dynamic that develops in that because there's so many Fox characters and because every character that you want to play if you're competitive needs to deal with this Fox character, that everyone actually has a, uh, a a playbook against Fox. So if you're a Fox player, you have to be that much better because everyone's ready for your specific character. Whereas you can play some lesser known tier characters and then the matchup knowledge is so deep that you might have an advantage because they haven't prepared for this level of the, the Peach Sheik matchup, for example. But everyone, everyone has... Um, a fox matchup everyone has pretty much a matchup for most of the the top tier characters so there's always that dynamic and that's what makes it interesting is that there's a certain dynamic in terms of how to beat this top tier character and then once someone beats that top tier character say with marth or something that becomes the new top tier character that everyone's trying to figure out how to beat because the roadmap in terms of how to beat certain gameplay styles has been already paved it's just theoretical execution of that roadmap after that and we wouldn't have been able to see any of that if they, if they, for example, patched some of the techniques such as uh, shining uh, and being able to do moves out of shine or even wave dashing, which is you can kind of clearly see the Nintendo really wanted to patch that after they realized it was <laughs> it was there. Because in Brawl, they added the tripping mechanic <laughs> where you just <laughs> randomly trip. So it was kind of a slap in your face saying, don't move around so much, you idiot. <laughs> um, but that mechanic has become so integral and... It's it's kind of what makes the game so great. I'm not saying the game could be better. You, there might be better if you're able to 
like you said, maybe make some of the tier, some of the low tier characters more viable. I have to admit that the high tier list is is roughly thirty to forty percent of the cast. So it's not it's not the highest as other as um, Ultimate, for example, where it's a much more even distribution. But I also realize with Ultimate and with um, with Project Plus is that if you have a ton of characters that are viable, it makes it makes playing the game a bit frustrating because too many characters have too many unique niches that you have to learn about. Whereas I like Melee because even though it has a small character roster, each of those rosters' uh, depth in terms of combating each other is quite deep. Mm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of levels to learn just from the, these simple pieces that they're putting on the board. So yeah, I... um, the rollback <laughs> is such a big deal now because uh, it's going to be really interesting to see proper lagless tournaments. Everyone who's played it has had the same kind of sentiment in that at its worst, it's playable, and at its best, it's almost as good as being at a LAN, which is really, really, really impressive. And from my understanding, the... The fact that some guy did this in six months by himself, um, did all the the the, the net coding himself, is so impressive, um, and it just came out of nowhere. So I'm very hyped to be talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did so, you? So you played other fighting games? Did you ever have any? Did you see anyone else resolve the net the net code issues? Well, a lot of fighting games generally that are made in the industry use GGPO. Which is a roll? What is that? A GGPO is a You're rollback. Online? It's an, I believe it's an open source rollback solution. Right. Um, right. and it is commonly used to resolve that sort of lag issue. Uh, this is the thing that Capcom was notoriously known for not doing for Street yep. Fighter Five. Yep. For I think they Ooh, did it now. But, but the perfect the... example. Sorry, finish what you're saying. The finish what you're saying. Sorry. I think they added it in now after someone like did it for them unofficially. And then said, I did this in the afternoon or, or something like oh, reductive no. like that. Um, don't quote me on that story. I remember when it finally happened, people were like, come on, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> And I think they did it now. Uh, I never was too much of a big Street Fighter guy. I was a big Mortal Kombat guy. Right. Uh, still, that game I, has you knew what happened to, for sure. to 4 and yeah. 5, right? Like Everyone had issues with 5, especially with the online play being quite difficult to, to practice and really have a stable connection with. Yeah, and that's, that's, game, that's another a... reason. Sorry, I was going to say that's another reason why I kind of think it's amazing that Melee didn't get patched. It's not just because it didn't get patched. It's that it survived all of its predecessors. You know, very few games can survive the next game coming out and and still be in in tournament. I don't I don't know if there are Street Fighter Four tournaments still going on right now. Yeah, people, I know there people are... still play Street Fighter Four for sure. Yeah, right. So the community is probably still there because it's a strong game. But I love that the fact that the melee community has kind of lived through so many generations and it's, they they're just they're still crawling it's, it's, back. It's, it's weird, and I don't I don't get it personally. I think it's one of those things that you it's not going to be apparent unless you're playing the game. Unless you decide to jump into it as like a multiplayer competitive game, you can see you'll be able to kind of see the depth. But from the surface, it looks similar-ish to Ultimate. It looks like a faster version of Ultimate, maybe like an uglier version in, for some people. Although I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you understand the movement and what it allows you to do, this game is what I've always called a sandbox fighter because it's a physics sandbox game that you're essentially playing. You're playing with nintendo's physics engine and they happen to have the perfect settings in melee to make it both fast play 
paced, but like fair and exciting. But what you need to do to your hands, what you yeah, need to do to your hands to make you're it happen. <laughs> There's been some notorious players who have had Carpal Tunnel destroy their career, and then they've come back with the um, the box. They call it the box, but it's essentially a joystick setup without a joystick. It's using the GameCube controller transformed into a fight stick, but with uh, buttons for the for the left hand instead of a joystick. Carpal Tunnel. Beep the, and you gotta, even if, I understand, it looks weird on an outsider's perspective, but just to see how much people have put into a game that's supposed to be dead has got to tell you there's something to this game. It's got to tell you there's something to this game. I'm saying people are going to see this in the audio, up. but I'm giving the biggest of shrugs. <laughs> I, I guess, I, like, I, guess like, look, not, look, I guess you don't you, really you, care you, as much, but that's you, fine. You, you <laughs> like, you like the game. You like the game and there's a big community around it and I'm glad people are enjoying it. I, I wish they weren't destroying their bodies to do it. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not destroying their bodies. I, it's like anything that will have carpal tunnel. If that's you true. Play we a all have, game, we'll all have carpal tunnel, tunnel eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand that this is a game that's like not for everyone. I don't say I'm not saying it's for everyone. That's yeah. kind of my same statement about games like Valorant is that people come into it and they they expect to to get it the way that they get, I don't know, a more mainstream game. Like we talked about Last of Us making decisions that are risky, but if I'm talking about in a movie sense, it hasn't taken that many risks. It's taking a lot of risks for a game, right? So like I, it's still very much on the mainstream. So, I it that's not what melee is. Melee at one point was a mainstream game, but now it's like you know Ultimate's the mainstream game. But that's not to say that you should look at these games that have had long histories of competitive scenes that don't die, um, for a reason because they're they exist because their gameplay is really really solid. You look at any of the games that have kept going since their but those games ten year inceptions ago. You know. That's the amazing part. The game, I, I would, isn't, I would find that even more impressive that you, you don't update it, that it's still competitive. It means that they've got such, so much right at the very beginning, and I think that they got pretty lucky with melee in a lot of ways because, you know, Nintendo tried to reverse a lot of their decisions later on with gameplay mechanics. But you, you look at a game like Dota or Counter Strike. Counter Strike hasn't changed its core mechanic almost at all. Their biggest change has come recently with the change to the FMAMS. Um, that was kind of annoying a bunch of players, but like that was a really small change in terms of there's no like no new guns added or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a lot of a lot of depth to games that have like massive staying powers, and you know this game's been here for like 19 years, so yeah, I think it's worth taking a look at in terms I, of a competitive. I game. believe it. I believe it. I've seen it. I've gotten my my butt kicked in melee. I have seen <laughs> I have seen the guides and tutorials that teach you how to do the maneuvers and stuff i have tried doing them myself and i said i'm good that's great that's I, great I, 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 we'll, I'm, we'll I'm see good. you guys in ultimate but we'll be playing melee <laughs> that's and that's fine uh you know i'm amazed that this man dedicated six months of his jobless <laughs> uh life yeah, to to I, to, to do this that is such like, a big a lot risk of people that love this game 
You talk about people who love games the way you do. You, I mean, that like you love The Last of Us. There are a lot of people that love this game that that much. I know, I know. Um, yeah, yeah. This is like, for like, a reason. Look, it's, it's, it's see, see, this is the thing. These people jumping out of their seats, smiling, laughing, having a good time. I like this. That's why I can never mm. like. I can never not respect the enjoyment that people get out of it. I don't like the toxicity. I know that's a big problem with, with melee. But when I mean, you see when you see when you see this this positivity, it's it's nice. It's hard not to feel good about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, we can yeah. talk about uh, move on to the next topic. Ready Player One. Now, do we have to? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I would say that this is what I would tell the people that you say uh, don't like The Last of Us, or the people that say they don't like Last of Us is that you should be able to find the good stuff in, in stuff that you don't like either. And e people, even if people don't like The Last of Us, for example, they should be able to see the quality work that was put into the game. Because that stuff is more undeniable. The artwork and the design, the character design, and the rendering, all of that is kind of undeniable. Uh, I'm not going to say that uh, Ready Player One has that level of polish, but I think there's a lot of stuff that's kind of funny with it, and funny in a way that I love bad movies, and so movies that take themselves seriously but miss the mark for whatever reason have a soft part in my heart because okay. it just—I like the fact that that people made mistakes and they're just like silly about it. And some of the my favorite movies of all time are so cheesy. Like if you've ever watched a 1990s Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Shut up! About. Those are good movies. One you take that back right now. They're 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 cheesy as hell. But they're awesome and they're super fun, and I think that uh, there's a little bit of fun in Ready Player One that might be able to blow off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> All right, so this is this might be a little bit tricky in terms of how we do this because uh, I want to take I want to show talk about specific scenes in this movie, and uh, let's see what uh, you guys feel about it. So I went through this movie trying to find what games they showed. They call it, like it's Ready Player One, and you think of it as like a, a movie about games. But there's actually not that many games that they play in this this take of it. First off, it was a it was a novel before, uh, before the movie was made. Did you read the novel, for example? Nope. Uh, by the way, I just watched. It's just fine. The movie was uh, kind of loosely based around it, but in the same way that the movie threw every single nostalgic example at you, the book does something very similar yeah. uh, with different different levels of nostalgia. I would say the story in the book is a bit tighter. This uh, <laughs> the story of the movie is uh, is pretty terrible. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, it it's essentially about our character named Wade, um, and he's he's like this third world country kid that can't afford to like have a backyard, or, but for some reason he has this fully functional multi directional VR headset. So I guess like. In the priorities in the third world countries in the future, it's going to be like food, water, and VR, <laughs> which is a bit, as a bit of the premise that they set up for this movie. Even though um, all the actors are incredibly attractive, I know their their skin is flawless, way too well maintained. Like go to a go to. They go don't to look Vietnam, like they, they, they don't, Their hands You'll don't see. look like they ever worked for their bread. You'll see what UV damage does. <laughs> um, so. The very first game that they play is this racing game. Uh, do you remember? You you've obviously watched this movie. I think I've asked you already, right? Yeah. <laughs> I watched um, it. I watched it with you. 
Oh yeah, that's right. So our company <laughs> took us on because we worked at a virtual reality company. They're like, you go, you gotta watch this virtual reality movie. It's gonna be great, right? And I, I'm pretty sure we both heard the same groans throughout this movie because <laughs> there are there are certain points where I think some of the our our coworkers couldn't stand being in the theater for certain scenes and they just left. The one that got me is the it was when he got the full bodysuit. And then he was oh, like dancing with the girl, so and she's, she's just rubbing the all dancing, over him, oh and he's goodness. like, "Ooh, uh." And You'll like... notice that I took no screenshots of that specific dancing scene because it was I couldn't watch it. It was I had to put my head down during that scene as well. <laughs> did you um, did you want did you want me to put up any 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 shots? Yeah, I'm I'm just grabbing one for you right now, trying to find the one that's like most relevant, I guess. Here we go. This is just what the what the scene looks like. So, first off, this game itself. Um, let me send this to you real quick. Where is my window? Ah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I scrolled down. The and premise I saw of the first. first game inside Ready Player One is just this massive race to the end, uh, and the winner will get this special artifact. And the whole movie is based around this end game, this meta gaming of the of the of the Oasis, the world that they're in. Uh, that the creator w put in three keys to unlock, I guess, the source code of the Oasis or something that will let you have full control over this uh, this entity that's kept going after the creator died. And so the idea is that this race uh, is kind of a free-for-all, and whoever gets to the finish line will uh, win. Um, now, if you watch the movie, this race is actually a ton of fun. Um they have all sorts of different cars, and they throw in every nostalgic car you can think of. DeLorean. Like, so you can see, for example, here, it's uh, Kaneda's uh, bike from Akira. And then there's a DeLorean in there. And then there's a Batmobile. Um, and then you're whoa. fighting King Kong at one point. Whoa, we're full, we're full screen. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, hold on. There we go. 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 Um, so I actually think that would be so much fun in a regular race, racing game. Like we were talking about this other game. What was the game that we saw in the E? This is the ultra PS5 wide show? screen. I just realized. Yeah, right. That I think the I think it's prime right now for some sort of destruction based racing game with high stakes at the end. That would be tons tons of fun. I think. Um, what do you think? Do you think this would be a game that you would play, just like a straight up racing game where things? You are mean like Destruction the... All Stars? Tease at the PlayStation Five conference <laughs> where you can ride the cars and destroy each other and jump out and go to the This is where like <laughs> a bag of money comes in off screen and you take it. Yeah. Um, I said that game was a. Did check cash? The check like, cash, right? Yeah, like, okay. What What was that? This is like Road Rage from from the Super Nintendo era when you're when you're on the bikes and <laughs> then you bicycle. have to like hit each other off of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but um, did so you ever later... play Onrush? No, I haven't played Onrush. I, I mentioned no. this briefly in our podcast. Where we were talking about the PlayStation Five screen. Onrush is exactly that. Onrush is it's kind of like MotorStorm, where you have the big honking like big rig trucks, and then you also have the the, the maneuverable little bikes. That just go... But it's a team. It's a team-based game that is not a race. It's objective-based. Some of them are. Right. It's King of the Hill, and and you and you're going around the track, right? It's it's always circular, but there's no laps, and you're always keeping up with like the pack. Everyone's kept close within each other, and there'll be areas where like you have to stay in this circle with your team, and everyone's the other team is just trying to get you out of there. It's like, like arena, the arena, like uh, car 
car battler. Yeah, but you're always going around <laughs> this track. And then there's a bunch of like AI driven cars. So some of them is like you got to take out the AIs and then it gets you boost and you use boost to like ram the AI off the uh, the uh, the opposing team off the circle so you can get points. It was a really cool idea. It didn't sell at all. And that's a goddamn shame. <laughs> Sounds like it could be this game, like later. <laughs> it, it could be right, but this yeah. is more of a this is more of an actual race. Yeah, um, but I found what was so funny about this movie was that uh, so the if, the spoiler for this movie is that the ultimate like solution for this whole race was just to go backwards at the at the beginning, and then that was like some massive secret that no one figured out except our main character. Well, he figured out but the I clue. Play any racing game ever. Even by accident, I think half the population is going to go backwards at the beginning just to mess around and see what happens. And you're, you're trying to tell me that this game, no one's done that before? No one pressed backwards for a little bit? Do you know how you can't really do that in, in like modern racing games anymore? They won't let you go backwards. Really? Do they like flip their car over or something? Yeah, they just respawn they you. I guess it's I guess it's to uh, uh, <laughs> to prevent trolling because I remember, yeah. in, especially in the arcade, there was this game called Daytona USA. That Daytona! Would, uh, Daytona! And then if you were losing, like, sometimes you, someone just messes you up at the beginning and you mess up your drift. Then I, there was always someone that decided to just forgo their quarters and go backwards on the on the course. And he's just trying to snipe you out of your race the entire time. Yeah. That's probably why they put that right <laughs> Yeah, so that was the first game that I saw uh, on Ready Player One. Kind of okay. Uh, for the most part, I was a little disappointed in the amount of games they had. I, this is a huge fault of the movie. They had way too much boring romance and weird revolutionary stuff. When I watched this movie again, I would say the middle, from the beginning of the, the movie where they had this little race scene here, and then for probably a whole hour, it's nothing but them in the real world being their boring, awkward, cringy selves. Awkward, and crazy, then, beautiful selves. Beautiful, way too beautiful. Which, by the way, the funniest moment, the funniest moment to me was when this girl that he's been swooning over, like, oh my god, in the in the cringiest neckbeard way possible, turns out to be this gorgeous woman, and she's he like, oh, I'm her. hideous. And she has a small blemish on her eye. There's not even a raise. They couldn't even put some makeup on to make it look a little deformed, like she was actually burnt or something. No, she's this beautiful woman that's barely barely had discoloration like and what's even worse is that the message they accidentally sent i'm sure i'm sure that they are trying to send a message that you know everyone's beautiful what it matters what you look like in the inside but it really just says hey if you look even this bad as this good amazing beautiful girl looks that you don't look as good as her then you're even worse <laughs> oh oh it's so cringy yep. I, I i think i heard great. one of our team co-workers in that moment leave that was one of the one of the head leaving situations in the theater. That's when they so tapped many. out. <laughs> so many, so many. So that's part of why I, I, I like, I don't like this movie. I think it's a terrible movie, but I like talking about it because it's fun and how stupidly bad and like, and tone deaf it was, <laughs> and tone deaf it was. Um, so the second game I wanted to talk about here, hold on, look at my notes. Oh, okay, okay. Is this the correct so, thing? Nope, that's not the correct one. Let me send you the... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying really hard to work with you on the fly right now. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, it's okay if it takes a little bit of time or if it doesn't work out super well. 
Um, I just I'll send you the screenshot of this guy here. Okay. And uh, and and I want you to see. Tell me if you remember who this person was in the movie. And I want you to tell me if you know why I'm gonna make fun of this particular oh no particular set of characters. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're asking a lot of a lot for me right now. Oh, you don't. I don't expect you to know exactly who it is. He's the he's the uh, the librarian. I haven't put it up yet. Okay. Well, just a preface for anyone who's listening. This is the the librarian or lore keeper in the movie that talks to Wade and tells him a crucial hint uh, to how to solve this going backwards puzzle. There we go. <laughs> so the funny, what I found hilarious about this character in terms of how bad everything about this character and the things that happened around him was was um first off the clue that gets told in this scene is so is so terribly obvious that I, I don't believe that they set up this lore about how someone couldn't solve this clue for 24 years because they're looking through the history of uh the creator uh this character named halliday and then at the end he literally says don't you wish you could just go backwards sometimes <laughs> backwards you know pedal to the metal wouldn't that be fun <laughs> and no one understood this clue no one understood put this together with the racing game that's the first step in the goddamn clue scenario to find the ultimate reward in this stupid movie it's like a, it's like a battlefield developer tweeting out like the <laughs> one of the easter eggs like mm, <laughs> there's four bells in this map you know four to the power of eight square roots <laughs> um and then secondly secondly he gives our main character here like this coin which turns out to be a vital part of the game or part of the movie later on because it's a a resurrection token that mm. allows him to retry at a critical moment and then at the very end of the movie it's revealed that he is actually Simon Pegg's character a real living breathing person who's the CEO of the company and oh, he spends right, all this time as a librarian talking to random people in his MMO server to try to give them hints as what no wonder this game is falling apart <laughs> your CEO spends all of his time as a like cosplaying RP RPing as this librarian in your stupid <laughs> in your stupid game oh no. this, this remind this reminds me this reminds me of a VR game called Rec Room and oh, it, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah. there was there was this famous video on on giantbomb.com a website about video games um <laughs> where uh they they were doing like a like a video right showing off this game and there was a person in the game that was playing this character called Handybot that was their username and they were just role playing as an AI character in the game that was teaching no. people how to play the game no. And people weren't sure if he was part of the game or not. He's, and he, he would just say, like, oh my God. hello, I'm Handybot. How may I help Can you? you? Then that's going to be the future of outsourcing, is instead of developing millions of dollars on complex AI, you actually probably have some poor worker in third world countries playing that AI that you just killed in The Last of Us. And you're like, wow. wow he reacted so realistically. <laughs> the developers are smart. Meanwhile, some, some poor... Slave-driven kid. He's, cl is, he's is clocking <laughs> out and saying like, "All right, it's your turn next. You gotta get going back get to the while he exchanges with his sister that like, needs to go work the 16-hour shifts to 
satisfy you last of us players this is also like that game that, that movie gamer <laughs> where where where, where you're playing as what have you seen the movie gamer with gerard butler oh dude i do remember oh that was such a terrible name i just remember that was a terrible it was name. a bad name it's basically gerard <laughs> butler plays a prisoner who is controlled by this wannabe esports kid and he has to win the game to get out and he I says like kid i was movie. a soldier you need to let me control myself and i'll this make sure you win this game oh so entertaining i would i feel like it would be a great bad movie for me to sit through uh, oh, I, I, there's another thing. Okay, I, I gotta make fun of this so bad. So, uh, um, in the race, the the part that we that we went through a little earlier, I'll get you this specific screenshot because this part of the end is is just is just the worst. Do you remember that at the end there's Donkey Kong, right? Or not Donkey Kong, King Kong that stops the race. He's like, for some reason, the reason that no one's ever ever been able to race. beat this this finish this race that's been so legendary that everyone's been trying to. Yeah. And uh. He gets to the cliff with his car and sees King Kong and he stops and he sees um, our lady character who uh, I will look up the name again because I totally forgot. Uh, she's gone. She's getting for it. She's going to go off this cliff, right? And then she's going to try to jump King Kong, which if you're me in any game, I'm like, that's probably the answer that you have to do to finish this game. And that and if I wanted to play this game the way I wanted to, I'm going to go for that jump. Instead, our hero very heroically and very white knightishly pulls her off her bike uh and i'm gonna send you this clip right here to to save her quote unquote save her which for me would be ruining my game because that's my goddamn <laughs> jump that i'm gonna try Do to you make really want me to show this shot you gotta show the shot because everyone's gotta see how stupid this movie is this is the position that they land in after this heroic white knighting which is also by the way the exact same position that oh every do I got a pervy anime character happens to land into when they bump into I, another? I don't want to hey, show this. this. Why are you making this me public. do this? This is, public. this is public. They can see this. This this was on a movie that's rated G, I believe. It's PG, I think. Or, or rated 14, maybe something something for something for kids. You gotta just, see this. Just mm, there is. Mm. Put it up. Put it up. Put it up. Everyone's gotta see the context now. <laughs> we it's need to so show cringy. it. We need it's to show so it. Cringy. We're gonna show, show it. Show it. We'll show it's you not, what theaters won't. Don't we want you to see? It's just, it's just mentally bad. It's not, it's not actually bad. See, you're gonna, you're you see, to... it's just fine. It's just fine. It's just, yeah. Just, so just... Uh, as we all know, if we're we're falling down uh, to save our lives. This is the natural position that most of us assume. Uh, just assume the uh, doggy style position, as they taught you in most safety classes. Uh, it will protect most of your limbs and also the arch in the know, back is important you, can, you want to make sure your vertebrae is completely flexed yep yep and if possible make sure you mount the nearest caucasian male you know that, that'll that'll yep. absolutely define and, and the <laughs> most you can jut your butt out for protection the yep. better this is this whole thing was terrible this whole this whole sequence was so so we, bad. We, we, mention... we, need, we need to stop doing this as <laughs> as creatives <laughs> as as i don't know who let this shot through but but it's indicative to the entire tone of how they treat romance in this entire movie. Can I get this off my screen now? <sighs> yeah, you can take it off your screen. Thank I'll you. Get, I'll get to my next point now. <laughs> um, okay, what else was really hilarious? Um, I preferred when we were talking about gravity. 
in our unreleased episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gravity was at least a movie that uh, took itself seriously and executed for the most part quite well. <laughs> there is one thing I did like about Ready Player One. There is yeah. one thing I liked about Ready Player One, and I'll bring it up at the end. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, my next point is what I actually liked about this movie, but unfortunately, it comes at maybe at what cost? The last ten percent of the movie is this scene, and if you remember it, oh, uh, is it maybe it's, it's the same thing I'm thinking about? Well, hold on, because before that scene, um, I'm gonna show you the screen for a second, and if you remember hard to encapsulate in this one exact screen here um but i hope that your trauma will kind of bring the the memory back <laughs> before the greatest You're asking, part like, of if the i movie, suffered through this movie the greatest part of the movie in terms and, and it wasn't that great it was just it was pretty fun but it, it wasn't like mind blowing. Just, like i just is don't like face by the worst speech i've ever heard in my goddamn life do you remember this part when he's trying to rally everyone to and supposed to give this like super moving speech something that you might not know because you didn't read the book so as like i said the book had a much more solid uh solid uh character development story and much more believable kind of set of events i'm gonna follow up this uh sorry to to load a bunch more screens to you but you can take your time with this one uh if you remember there are two asian brothers that he meets throughout his adventures in the movie it's quite brief in the movie but it's much more prominent in the books mm -hmm. and uh while he's giving this speech he's supposed to be talking in the books about uh the kid's brother who was actually murdered in real life to these characters so there's so much more at stake here but in the movie nobody dies and so everyone they're talking about is they still killed alive. the kid Kill the kid. This, the, yeah, the the corporation was seriously badass in the book. They were they were much more like uh, Resident Evil than they were like uh, Team Rocket. In this ba movie, badass, they're like Team badass Rocket. might not be the word you're looking for. <laughs> well, let's just say hardcore. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um. So it, it has so much more like weight to it because these characters have experienced something serious. Whereas in this speech, he goes on, first off, he throws his ball up, and for some reason, he's allowed to talk to every single person in the entire game and take up their main message video. Like, do you know how annoying that would be if you let anyone in the world just be able to talk to everyone else at the is same time? Is it like time? a super hidden item, though? I, the eight ball there? Yeah, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't I don't believe they referenced this eight ball one time before this movie. Oh really? I could be wrong. It could have been that I had some sort of amnesia during this movie. I, I thought uh, I thought he had I thought he had some hidden items and stuff that he chose as like he a reward. He... I went through the part where they bought the items. I don't see it in there. Okay. But uh, that's all just to say. Uh, there's another scene that's really <laughs> okay. Forget the one that I just sent you. Um, this one here. <laughs> this one here. So there's a there's a scene where they're they're showing everyone listening to his message. And it just has oh, like no. on the street in full headset gear. Oh no! And they're like in the middle of the street where cars are driving down. Oh no! This is like and when before VR came out, and they're making all those everyone... like really weird like promotional materials. And the the strange thing to me is like, why do they have the video screen at the front showing what they're seeing? Like, what would be the point of that for anybody? Also, everyone has um, a different thing. Also, is one of them just wearing a Vive? 
Yeah, one of them is just wearing. Oh wait, maybe. Oh, that might be it. Yeah, I could like the older the the portable one. No, I'm sure they used on, a let, bunch let, of. Let me, let me put let me put the video. Like it literally says Vive on it. Oh. <laughs> like look at it. These people are just like you're just supposed to believe that they're just chilling this entire time. They were all just hanging out in the you know the ghetto with their their headsets on chilling playing this game is it is it is it the ghetto these are really well dressed individuals i know they're really well dressed but they're in the ghetto there's freaking there there are canisters that they just let on fire for warmth in the background there that is hobo liked set dressing if i've ever seen it but look at these gloves this jacket look at this jacket no, this this is this is what I think they thought the future looked like in the seventies. Look at this tier one operator with his camouflage. <laughs> um, so he gives this this groaner of a speech that's terrible. And as a part of the speech, he mentions like, some of you have found friends, and uh, you know I even found love. I'm like Jesus Christ, dude, you're <laughs> making me cry here. <laughs> like, have you imagined anyone messaged you in World of Warcraft and online or like any game you're playing? And it's trying I to just got married in World of Warcraft. <laughs> and be like, hey man, you really gotta support us. Check it out. Uh, I got a girlfriend and it was awesome, and I met her through this game. So you just you gotta help me out. You know how much trolls you would get. I would join that level to fight against him just because of that speech. I would start. I would. I would How just be a PvP dare you, Ken? He's a that, noble think, man. I think that the the corporation should have won in this case. To be <laughs> if you remember, in the end, he just decides to ban the Oasis for two two out of the the five or seven days of the week because he's got a girlfriend, and we're supposed to believe that the Oasis is what the entire global economy functions on. And he's like, yeah, you can't use it for two of the five days because I got to spend time with my girlfriend and I'm sure you guys got to spend time with your girlfriends or whatever or that. But whatever, I'm going to cancel it for for two of the five. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, mm. And my final... Oh, sorry. This was to get to my favorite part of the movie. Um, do you remember that one of the characters has a glove that allows him to transform into a robot for two minutes? It's a samurai kid, right? Yeah, the samurai kid, uh, Daito, and of course, you know, he's a Japanese kid and his avatar, the samurai. Because it's... Uh, <laughs> he uses it to turn because we live into in the darkest timeline. <laughs> he uses it to, to turn into a Gundam, and I'm just gonna show you that uh, uh, one clip of the Gundam because it was just. Is bad. it an actual Gundam? I don't yeah. remember. It is. A, it is an actual Gundam. They got the license for him and everything. So, uh, and it's wow. the original. Oh god, I'm I'm gonna mess this up, but it's like the double zero, the original Gundam from the first oh, yeah. series. Zero one, oh. isn't it zero one? Zero one, yeah, yeah. I think zero zero is a is a series on its own. Yeah, my bad. Which is also a great series. But this, the him fighting oh, Mecha yeah, of course was the it was. I remember goddamn part of this movie, and if they just focused the entire movie around this fight, it would have been amazing. Well, have you seen Pacific Rim? Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, did you I want to just watch an idea out into the internet? Uh, you know, maybe I'll be credited in the future if, if if it'll ever happen. But I'm just saying, if you want to make an Avengers level IP that's gonna compete with big box office hits like Chris Hemsworth, you gotta connect Pacific Rim with Gundam crossover. And here's the storyline, okay? Okay. In Pacific Rim, Japan, they mentioned that how. 
uh, Japan like had these emergency um, uh, underground bases that they built. And you don't really know what happens to them after the second one because, you know, the first one, they you see bits of their robot gets destroyed and stuff like that. Uh, but what if this is what spawns their special, like, secret operations Gundam project? And then for Pacific Rim 3, there are obviously bigger, badder monsters that come out for whatever reason. And then the good guys, you know, they're having the they're just having a rough time. These new guys, they're too tough. And then suddenly Japan shows up and it's like this robot you know, Death Scythe and all the top-tier named Gundams, and that's how they spawned the Gundam cinematic universe. Oh, oh you think, like, well, legitimately licensed. It's licensed. Yeah, and then you realize that it's all part it. of the same world. You want they them to, to put an M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah, <laughs> you, you, uh, well, you, want, you, want, you want them to make... Do you want them to make Split and then have Bruce Willis show up at the end? <laughs> Do you not remember uh, this? Uh, I don't know if it has to be M. Night Shyamalan. I think maybe Sh we can get someone to run this, uh, this bestiary slash mech film. <laughs> Wouldn't you watch that if they announce Pacific Rim X Gundam? Who do you think is not going to watch that? <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to watch it. Knows Gundam. Everyone loves Pacific Rim. And they're just like two giant things you want to see fight each other so badly. Do the robots cry? Because after The Last of Us, I don't think I can watch any movie unless it makes me feel sad. <laughs> robots hold each other as they die now. Okay. <laughs> and then right. have baby robot Gundams that grow up with them that you have to murder. Do. And then I, I want to make a dogs. movie called Robots Don't Cry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just a great title. Um, is that a real thing? Hold uh, on, hold on, hold on. That sounds way up? too good. Robots don't cry. It's a song. It looks like. Do robots. Yeah. Dream of electric sheep. Okay. All right. Do robots dream of electric sheep? The sequel, Robots Don't Cry. It is a song. <laughs> it is a song. Um. So all that is to say that uh, this movie entertained me vastly. Because I like to be able to point out to someone else how ridiculous all of this is. Um, what would make this movie work? was legitimately enjoyable. What's that? Let's go beyond the pixel. What okay. would make this movie work? Uh, as you, as an, as, as an artist. Well, as an artist, I think the the execution of the art... I can't necessarily say it was bad because it could have just been the execution of bad instructions or bad design in the first place, which might have been um, predicated by the script. I think the script is clearly the biggest issue in almost everything here. Cinematically-wise, everything was good enough. It wasn't particularly interesting, um, but I feel that the writing and the specific things that they felt they needed to change from the books... I know you haven't read the books, but they had... they. They had to change some things, as books always do, because books always have internal dialogue that you can't actually have in movies. So they changed some stuff, but I feel like they changed way too much of the interconnecting plot points. And then they just kept all of the nostalgia, and they thought that they would just ride everything on the nostalgia. Because if you see, if you watch the movie, there's so much product placement. Blizzard has like eight characters in here, with Tracer and... <laughs> Jim Rayner in there at some point. Oh my god, right, Tracer is in this movie. I yeah. forgot about that. Like a brief... I, they should have made her a main character. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, I think the script is the biggest thing. Because you can just clearly tell none of these characters behave in ways that are realistic to people. You know, like, it, it, it all seems like a fantasy, like a child's fantasy. The whole premise that he was going to meet Artemis, this girl, by accident, by saving her life or whatever it is, and then she stumbles on his crotch like <laughs> like some magical princess um, is is pretty silly. All the stuff that comes to the character is is also very silly in terms of he just happens upon it. He gets, like, wealth and he gets, like, money and everything he kind of wants um pretty easily without ha necessarily having to work with it for it so because it he's white and beautiful <laughs> not even for that it's just it's like uh well the problem is that even I, and i had this problem with the book was that it fetishized the idea of being a nerd was going to be good so the character in the book just like the character in the movie knows so much about um this the creator holiday and you know you can you can you can draw that analogy out to any fan right now anything that knows way too much about a particular ip like me with star wars than anyone else right like you can kind of sense that um uh not that kind of like isolation but that ability to just deep dive and be um self-centered and self-focused but they they portray it in a way that's rewarded so in the books and in the movie the fact that he knows these really obscure points about video games, about this particular creator, is always the key point that gets him to the next part of the story that unlocks all this mysterious value and gets him the girl and stuff like that. Whereas in real life, you know, it's great to have your topics and, and hobbies, but don't really expect or rely on the fact that you know, I don't know, the history of the game to make that much of a bearing into your actual life. I think it's that's the biggest problem with these movies. Like I joke about them and I and they're fun, but if you're if I was growing up and for some reason I fixated on this movie, like I fixated on all a lot of different movies, I would be getting a extremely weird and skewed understanding of how I think the world should work. You know? Yeah, totally. I feel like that's also the main complaint with people that talk about uh, the Joker movie. Is there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that walked out of, out of that that movie theater saying like, "Wow, that was awesome." which is not the attended effect. No one directed that movie wanting you mm -hmm. to cheer for the Joker. People cheered for it the was, Joker. <laughs> it was unfortunate because it was such a strong movie for people who were able to get the point, but I feel like it was it, it confused people who didn't put all the pieces together. Just like um Last of Us Fight Club. No, oh, also Fight Club. Fight Club. <laughs> Massive misunderstanding as to what the premise of the movie was because they had a montage of how awesome fighting was <laughs> and how all their lives were getting better not better but they were like bonding over it and everything they were standing up to oppression to... they weren't oppression, letting yeah. <laughs> and people kind of misunderstood the whole idea of how easy it is to get into a mob mentality and how things are pushed too far once you get into that self-echoing chamber but i think yeah the, <laughs> that's the same thing that um that happened to um Sorry, what are, you, what are you talking about? Joker. Joker, yeah, it happened to Joker. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my that's my uh, last notes on Ready Player One. It's a terrible movie, but if you don't take it too seriously, it's kind of funny. One part that I liked about it is yeah. is sort of at the end when, like, Halliday is saying his goodbyes. He's like, yeah, thank you for playing my game. And that, yeah. like... That hit me a little bit because that's that, your that, developer. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, it's just like, 
I always thought games as a relationship between a player and and the developer, right? And, and yeah. how there is an interaction there between you spend so much time studying, like how can I communicate yeah. this with the player? Do they get this? Do they understand this? Are they going to have a good time doing this? And when they get through to mm -hmm. the end, it's like, oh my god, they suffered through all that. Thank God yeah, they you made it. Beat the game. <laughs> thank God. And then like, yeah, yes, don't thank you, thank you for spending twenty six <laughs> hours playing this thing that likely makes you miserable people don't realize especially with modern games and bigger games now that um we get the stats as to the playthrough rates and it sucks to find that your game doesn't get beat it sucks yeah it sucks yeah <laughs> or, or it doesn't even get played it doesn't even get played so and it... people go on the internet and complain about it mm -hmm. <laughs> but um i personally have had to kind of pull myself out of it it's great to be a part of a successful game or franchise but you can you 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 yourself have on, only so much influence over how much you can shape the game, mm. and it's like a collective will to make the game good. But you can't isolate that down to that many individual people because it's such a network of like effort to, that goes into it. Yeah, and it's, it's why, it's why, it's why you always never say like I made I made X game. It's like I worked yeah. on this game with a and, bunch of talented people. <laughs> You know, that's that, and you know, to, to relate it back to The Last of Us, so um, we talked earlier about how they made some pretty, uh, pretty big gambits in terms of decisions with their story and stuff. But that, if you think about that in any studio, how, how difficult that is, because if it's a really controversial stor storytelling moment or decision, but it's still the right one, the person who, who comes up with that idea has to sell that through the entire studio. Because if you don't sell that to the rest of the studio, it echoes in the product, and it echoes in so many in so much of how hard people work on different things if they don't believe that it's the right decision or not. Mm. So I always find it very, very impressive when games or studios can make really big decisions just because, or really controversial decisions, just because it's really, really hard to steer any group of people that strongly into a different direction. Yeah. So when you see people like talk about these changes to games, sometimes it's hard to it's hard to understand that it's a big ship and you're a, a bigger the bigger the game, the bigger the cruise ship is. And you know, cruise ships are notoriously hard to turn. <laughs> so it's not an on the dime kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of reminds me of the yeah. last of us. Hmm. It's a miracle any game is made, really. It as, honestly as, it as honestly really really said. Is. Well, it, it, it amazes me too that if you look at the back end of any game project, they're so vastly different. Like everybody has had to hack so much stuff, unless they're making a super cookie cutter game, like to hack so much stuff to get like whatever engine they're using to work properly to set up their systems. And it happens all the time. Like it's the most complicated civilian system that we probably create outside of like security or defense or something like that even externally you... too just how they manage projects like for example yes. uh, uh, naughty dog they don't use producers or any sort of like high level management that's insane which is that's yeah crazy. i know i know that's i talk crazy. to my yeah. producer all the time at work yeah especially if i'm blocked like by something like... <laughs> hey do you know that naughty dog doesn't need you <laughs> i need sure that as well yeah yeah that's impressive uh yeah they I do find that game studios also have the highest variance in terms of project makeup and, term, and how they structure their their um, their employees. Yeah, and like yeah. that's that's not even touching on 
the the crunch culture, right? Yeah, the crunch culture is also another one that's kind of a bit harsh and and it's understandable too, just because of game making for so such a large portion of the industry is packed together and very much like do what you can with the limited resources that you have yeah that it's hard to not see them crunching but i can just see it as a hard uh, impulse to resist but they should be resisting it if possible you know yeah i don't i think i don't i don't don't have i don't have the answers to that i've had times where i had to do tasks and i'm like well because this is this is a part art of the game that's being touched on by everyone i'm i'm just gonna have Mm. to take my own extra time to do this if i want it to be at the level where i'm happy with it and at that point i always think that it's sad because you have to make a personal trade-off as to if you don't do it well enough and spend that extra time your work looks like it's not as good yeah but in reality it's because you don't have enough time and you could put your personal time in and your and your and you're kind of weighing whether your personal time is worth the the hit and quality that is perceived by your managers and other people that work in yeah. work with you it's really it's really tough but i think i think the thing that that a lot of people don't don't get though is that it's not just i need to spend 8 hours on this task and i don't have those 8 hours to do this task it's because it's not about your 8 hours it's how many hours everyone else who are probably doing more important things than you at that time with the part that you need right yeah because you're, you're, you're working, working on as part, part of a team you, yeah. and 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 that's a really hard problem to solve because who's mm-hmm. to say your part of the project is more important than someone else's at that time mm-hmm. right or isn't right or yeah. isn't and yeah. like that becomes hard to manage and if the only time and i think that's where something like maybe flexible schedules works and that's something that has mm-hmm. worked well in the past for me in, in previous projects it's like mm. i don't need to be in the office at the same time as the art department for example yeah right yeah if the art department department is touching a map in a in a different project i'm talking about an older project um yeah. Yeah. if the if the art department is 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 on 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 the on the project and they're using the levels and they're checked out and i can't work on them there's no point in me being in the office yeah i much rather You're come in out. later and and do my hours and like i'm not i'm not working harder i'm working the same amount of hours it's just offset yeah right yeah and then i'm doing my job there and then artists come in they see the changes i made to levels and then they can continue working i come in i continue working on my part etc 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 i imagine that could be a partial solution i always think that it's like it would work for me but i always think about all the people that who have families yeah and how like they're in these weird schedules yeah and that's that that's i think that's the real toughest part about our industry is when you make that life transition it is really unforgiving and you see a lot of veterans take decisions like go to places just because they really need a stable environment and they need somewhere that's not going to require random hours of their time when they're already you know dedicated to their kids or family yeah yeah Yeah. ah anyways that's pretty much it, I think. And we're running so. at 10:30. That's a little bit later yeah. than we want to go as we're, always. We're, but... we're at our we are over our upper limit of 2 hours for these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh so I think we call it there, Ken. I think so too. That was a that roller was coaster of an Got, episode. Uh, <laughs> Last of Us, Melee and Ready Player 1. 
that was a lot covered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, follow me at Kenhasu so far on Twitter. Follow Instagram, me, Luis Twitter. Fernando Sandrin at LLF Sandrin, or just stay tuned to our or mine Twitch. I'm not doing a lot of streaming. I'm hoping to get back on that eventually, but we'll see how things go in these crazy, as I'm told, unprecedented times. <laughs> And one thing I've always never done, I want to shout out this song that's playing right now. It's from Adrian Talens, good friend of ours. Uh, amazing song. Thank you so much. And for you watching, thank you for watching. Take care, and we'll see you beyond the pixel.